Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guests from Nashville, Tennessee, Jamie Wyatt, from the Urban Land Conservancy, Aaron Maripol, and from Austin, Texas and other locations, the Band of Heathens. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, welcome our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. This is, in fact, only the second time we have recorded an E-Town show. We've done an E-Town show here at E-Town Hall since the pandemic. I know. Been a long time. Been a long time. That whole thing, uh, it was such a good example of how life throws curveballs and how, you know, sometimes we think we actually have some semblance of control and we don't. This week, all of our guests have some great stories um, to tell about luck, both good and bad, about curiosity, about generosity, and mostly about change, about evolution, uh, both personal and professional. They are navigating their creative lives in public, and they're gonna share tales of that journey with us this week. Jamie Wyatt is here from Nashville uh, by way of Los Angeles. Her story is remarkable, as is her songwriting and her singing. I'm going to speak with Aaron Mirapol, who's carrying on the good work of a Denver man, an oil man who also became a real estate guy and then turned into kind of a visionary philanthropist. And you'll hear about that stuff after a while. Up first, we've got a band that got together um, initially through cooperation. They shared a residency at a club in Austin called Momos. They um, started supporting each other on their various songs eventually formed a band, they started recording and touring, and that was a while ago. They are not only survivors, they have sustained themselves in their careers, they've also built a really dedicated fan base through touring um, and through their Patreon page, so they've really engaged their audience in a new way. We'll learn more about that later. Right now, would you please help me welcome back to the E-Town stage, the Band of Heathens.
Uh, it's great to be back here at E-Town. Uh, it's been a little while, and uh, it feels good. We're, we're actually doing a bunch of new songs here for you. We got a new record coming out real soon, so uh, here's, a, here's another new one. Long, long son of the Brazos Long, long 
Um, welcome back, you guys. Gordy and Ed, um, don't let the darkness stand in your way. That seems like an obvious reaction to COVID world, right? We all experienced the big shutdown. I would say the simple version of it is that we, uh, whatever piece of our own little world we can control and put good vibes out into it, I feel like that's contagious. Yeah. Me and all my friends and everyone that we make music with are positive forces for change. And that song is just kind of about... Uh, you know, keeping the dark forces at bay yeah, and letting it shine a little bit. Well, it was interesting about that whole shutdown because it really forced us all to kind of reprioritize and improvise. And I know you guys were pretty productive. You capitalized on technology. You decided to reach out and make connections. Tell us about some of the things you did. Yeah, it was the longest period of time in our adult lives we've ever been home. And our work typically isn't one that you can do remotely, but uh, we found a way. And at the time, the band was spread out across the country and kind of created a little variety show, maybe inspired by shows like this mm. that just find a way to bring people together uh, over common interests. And uh, thankfully, through the world of the internet, we did a weekly show for 52 weeks wow. with the Good Time Supper Club. Yeah. So. Are those episodes still available? They're all still on YouTube. Yeah. And, and you'll see from episode one to the end, it, the production quality gets slightly better each time. We're, yeah, I can relate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but really, it was just, it was amazing. It felt really good to be home with our families, but also it felt really good to find an outlet to connect with our yeah. musical families that yeah. we're normally on the road connecting with. Speaking of your fans, your, your family that's out there in different cities, um, you've got a Patreon page that allows those people to support you in those times where you weren't working, right? Well, I think we were just shocked by the generosity of, of our fans that really took care of us during that whole uh, year we couldn't tour. Really? Yeah. Amazing. And yeah. Uh, Why didn't I think of that? And, and once... <laughs> And once we kind of didn't have the bandwidth to keep doing a weekly show, we shifted to something that's less frequent as every week, although we still do chats every week, but, you know, a new song every month, a live stream of the full band in the studio every month. And it's, it's been fantastic, I think, connecting with people. New song every month. So that's, that's kind of nice. It's nice to have a creative deadline. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it was nice because it kind of dovetailed in, into a lot of the work that we're doing. So the people that were really interested in what we were doing kind of got to see the making of the new record yeah. that we're putting out. That's awesome. You know, it seems like you guys have been around long enough to where you must have had all the goals and dreams and aspirations when you first started out, and I suspect you've hit most of them. You know, the idea that you could sustain yourself in a band and you could travel and you could tour and you could make records and you could be on media and all that stuff. Um, but it hasn't been this sort of stratospheric jump to the stadiums or whatever you might have dreamed of in your teenage um, hubris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, but it does seem to be kind of like the slow burn. It seems like to be the, the steady increase. You take it slow and maybe the career lasts longer. Maybe that's a, maybe Al Green would sing about that kind of thing. Yeah, I think uh, our friend Ray Wiley Hubbard, I think, puts it the best. He says, uh, the days that my gratitude are higher than my expectations are days that are good days. There's this fine line of, uh, of kind of wanting to look into the future and be planning on what you're doing, but also being very present in the moment and not, missing what's happening and that's yeah. the that's kind of the frequency we're all trying to plug into. yeah sure and there's a little bit of a gift from covid as in a way just having that reset that opportunity to be home a little more how is it now so you, you're you're um what i've been hearing a lot from people is that in their new reconfigured life as touring musicians they aren't going to tour as much is that something you guys are thinking about i you know one thing i i, I realize is that songs come from living life and a lot of times touring is not 
the most conducive creative space. Oh, look, I'm in a hotel. Yeah. I could, look, I could write about the minibar. Right. I could write about what kind of soap is in the bathroom. Yeah. I'm going to write a song about that. But it, I think in the past, our focus, so much of our focus uh, collectively as working bands has been touring because that's where you make yeah. the money. And I, I think that this has been great for us to refocus on the creative process of actually writing songs and yeah. being in the studio. That's awesome. Um, I know that your new record is uh, about sort of getting back to basics in a way and, and reaffirming and reconnecting with, in a way, it's almost like the community that you started out in, you know, that Austin music scene when you guys were young and you're just getting started where it was immediate, it was today, it was who you're going to play music with that day, it was who you're going to hang out with, and there was this sense of cooperation and encouragement. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I think you nailed it. And, I, and to your point, like this kind of has been a full circle, the making of this record, you yeah. know, sort of us getting back together in the studio, which is like a clubhouse for us. You know, yeah. we're just, it's just like a play space. And we, we got together and played every day. Yeah. So it really has a good natural feel like that. Well, it's cool because you can also carry that spirit of community and creativity out into the community that you've made. You know, people complain about the fact that, well, now nobody buys CDs and music is free and, and all this stuff. But the technology has allowed you to connect with an audience in a deeper way and you're taking good advantage of that. Thanks, man. Well, yeah. I, I think, you know, like, like you said, there's a lot of things you can complain about, but it's sort of more like, what can you do that's additive? You know, yeah. what, what can you do that's positive to help you be cool. moving in the direction you want to go in? That's what we try to focus on. Yeah, nice job. Good job, you guys. I'm definitely getting a Patreon page, by the way. I'm cool. Like, yeah. Maybe it's just for, do they have them if you just like, just for you, if you want one? Sure. Like for a person? We'll make a special one for yeah. you. Yeah. Anyway, um, I appreciate you guys coming back, and congratulations on the new record. Let's get back to music. Welcome back, if you would, Band of Heathens. Daylight creeping or a fast train coming. Good Lord, have a little. 
Band of Heathens. That's Ed Journey, Gordy Quist, of Trevor Nealon, Nick J, and Clint Simmons. The record's called Simple Things. They'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to keep up to date with our latest visual offerings. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. The Band of Heathens will be back in a little while to play some more music. And coming up, Jamie Wyatt is here from Nashville. Great singer, songwriter, the, uh, the advocate. Calls her the new queer queen of outlaw country. She's going to be up shortly. She's really good. Uh, right now, I want to tell you about our next guest, though. Before I do, though, I want to talk a little bit about success. We all have ways of measuring it. 
It can be in uh, recognition, it can be in dollars, it can be in trappings like a big house or a fancy car, but you know, the things that um, we choose to sort of describe success with, they change as we become more experienced, as we become in ways more successful. For the mega wealthy, there is of course no limit. After five or six houses and the private jet and the 400 foot yacht and all that stuff, it's obviously both an environmental disaster, that lifestyle, and also a sad um, ode to insecurity. But, um, <laughs> but the opposite, of course, is enlightenment. And I'm not saying we can't live comfortably or reward ourselves, but the, the trappings are not the destination. So in Denver, there was a guy named Sam Gary. He was an oil man, a real estate guy. He was a wildcatter in the 50s and 60s. He drilled an awful lot of dry wells, but he struck it rich and he recognized that he was lucky. He decided to give a lot of money away to help those who were not as lucky as he. And he did it through a foundation that he started. He did it through other organizations. One was called the Urban Land Conservancy. And here to tell us more about that particular effort is its CEO. So please help me welcome to the stage at E-Town, Aaron Mirapol. Urban Land Conservancy. So Aaron, let me just ask you, first of all, Sam, uh, Gary died a couple years ago, but he must have been a, an interesting guy. Must have been a remarkable man. R remarkable man, yeah. No, he uh, passed away in November of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. In his 90s or? Yeah, I want to say he was 95, I believe, wow. 96. Yeah. yeah. Just such a down-to-earth person. Um, that was what was also beautiful about him. Yeah. Um, great visionary, but also I think understanding that to get certain things done, he needed to kind of step back. And in my case, with the board and with um, our staff, implement. Take yeah. what he kind of had this vision That's and make cool. it happen. Well, let's talk a little bit about his vision, because I think he uh, recognized that as somebody who was privileged, he felt like business had a responsibility, sort of a civic responsibility, to help yeah. create healthy communities. Yes. So I don't know what he meant by that exactly, but I suspect it included park space and schools and affordable housing, but tell me what he thought. I think he thought a lot about both the open space. He got involved in conservation, land conservation in the open space in the, in the 60s and 70s. He looked at the urban space. He was a major, I think, thought leader about what happened with the Stapleton Airport uh, and the redevelopment in that cool. in Denver. With us, with Urban Land Conservancy, I think he was also influenced by some of the work we were doing when I was here in Boulder with Thistle Community Housing and my colleague, Roger Lewis. We were doing community land trust work. Sam saw that uh, oh, cool. 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And so that model was all about affordable housing, which of course is an issue that every city, every community is grappling with right now. And it's an interesting model to think about somebody who was a real estate developer who had some dough, he wanted to give back, and he gave back in the vernacular that he was familiar with, which That's was right. real estate, land acquisition, but in this case, repurposing yep. and um, making places accessible. Yeah, Sam really was about, again, putting the dollars out. So just to kind of get into the dollars and cents, he provided us with startup cash of $10 million and another $5 million in real estate, so $15 million plus. I mean, that's incredible. I've been in the nonprofit sector for 30 years, so to be able to start like that yeah. is amazing. With that $15 million, we've leveraged it about 13, 14 folds, so now we've been about close to $200 million in direct investment, 
And with that investment of mine and land and buildings, the renovation, the redevelopment, it's about a $1.3 billion in redevelopment, both of schools, nonprofit facilities, over a thousand units of affordable housing. So the range um, well, um, comprehensive of, of real estate um, and what you can do in the urban space. Yeah, that's amazing. And as I understand it, some of the redevelopment also includes some green stuff, like trying to retrofit buildings so that they're more energy efficient, better insulated, and so on. Yeah, I think one of the values, um, again, I think some of the lessons that we've learned up here, but um, when we bought an old 90-year-old building in the coal neighborhood in Denver, um, we recognized, and Roger worked with me on this as well, was how do we convert this building to be, if not net zero, how do we get to a greater sustainability? So we did a project with actually a local uh, developer here um, who uh, we did what's called a power purchase agreement. And we put solar panels on these barrel roofs and provided a bunch of electricity to all the nonprofits working out of that space. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I want to ask about the impact that this has had in some of these communities. So I could imagine that if there is a blighted building or there is a neighborhood that's falling into some disrepair and guys like you come in with some assets and some energy and you redevelop something, it could really transform a neighborhood. It can. I think we have to be really careful about how we come into community. Yeah. I think you can't just come in and say, oh, I know what's best for this neighborhood. You've got to come in tie up the property, right? Buy the real estate, hold that real estate, but also acknowledge that folks in the community, there are things that they want to see. And yeah. so we have to take those into consideration as yeah. we move forward. It's not just cookie cutter gentrification. No, I think the whole point is we, we talk about it as instead of displacement, it's in-placement. How do we do in-placement to ensure those yeah. neighborhoods still have that you know, strong fabric of the community and they're not displaced? Yeah, that's cool. And, and tell us a couple stories about some of the impact you know, on a human scale. So are there are the people that you know who've benefited from either getting access to affordable housing or having their neighborhoods revitalized in ways that are consistent with their view? One that really jumps out is we bought the old uh, Johnson Wales University in South Park Hill in Denver. And we did that in partnership with Denver Public Schools and Denver Housing Authority, but we were the lead in buying the property. And fundamental for us is we're gonna own the land in perpetuity. It's a 99-year ground lease. And so we lease the land to ultimately folks who buy the improvements. So this campus, 13 buildings, um, we owned uh, seven of those buildings. And over the last year, we were able to sell four dorms to another local nonprofit, Archway Communities, which is going to convert 400 dorms into 154 permanently affordable apartments. If in the future something changes because we own the ground, the community owns the ground, we're ensuring that it's always going to be a community benefit. Yeah. And for the nonprofits that you lease space to and for the folks who get access to these units, they're below market rates. And, That's and right. So these, these communities can stay interesting. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think in that South Park Hill neighborhood in Johnson, it's really on the a boundary of another community, East Colfax. And so I mentioned the housing, but there's we have education, we have schools there. Yeah. We also have a startup business that the Kitchen Network is doing. So there's all these great partners in the nonprofit sector that are coming together and to make this work. Yeah, that's cool. And again, I think that it starts with um, this visionary gazillionaire guy who knew a lot about real estate and could translate that into his philanthropy and his executing his vision with guys like you at the helm. So if anybody's listening to this story and they're in a community and you've got some folks around you who've done really well and own a bunch of real estate, 
Can they go to a website and see the examples of what you've been doing and sure. learn from you guys? Yeah, so www.urbanlandc.org. Did that make sense? No. It's I fine. Should... We'll, f we'll find it. <laughs> we'll find it. We'll put it on our website. No, so you can go to etown.org Urban... and we'll have it listed you know. there. It's okay, Aaron. Look, you got a lot going on. Yeah, I'm nervous. You're doing I'm, fine. I'm double. You're doing great. All right, that's Aaron Mirapol. Thank you, Aaron. Urban Land Conservancy down in Denver. Great work. All right. We are uh, excited about our next guest. We've got, as I mentioned, more music coming from the Band of Heathens in a bit. Um, but I want to tell you about Jamie Wyatt. She was raised in the Pacific Northwest until she was about 17 when she moved to L.A. By the time she was 21, she had already been signed to a record deal that actually fizzled and didn't work out. She'd gotten into drugs. She spent nearly a year in prison for robbing her own heroin dealer. And in country music, those are some tough years and good song fodder, um, which she used on her debut record, which is called Felony Blues, which came out in 2017. It's real, she's real, and she's a great songwriter, and she's got a lot of great stories to tell. She followed that record up with one that she made with Shooter Jennings, who's Waylon's son. Um, that record is called Neon Cross, and that featured, again, more honest songwriting, dealing with her uh, coming out and getting sober and her move to Nashville. It's all in there, and her voice is strong, both as a singer and a writer. Uh, we're happy to have her here. Please welcome to E-Town for her first visit, Jamie Wyatt.
you so much. Give it up for Helen on background vocals. Wow. The whole band is fantastic. I was so, so pleased in soundcheck.
Jamie Wyatt, so cool, so good. You sound really good. Oh, thanks. Really like your singing and your songs. Um, I uh, think it's hard to avoid talking about the fact that you made a great record right as the world completely shut down. Right, yeah. So <laughs> The timing was funky. Yeah. Yeah. But it also doesn't seem like it really mattered because so many people dug it and you got great press. You got a lot of people talking about you. Yeah. Made all kinds of best albums of the year lists and stuff. That must have felt good. Oh, yes, that felt amazing. Yeah. We got tons of inquiries, you know, on the Instagram and stuff or people saying how much they loved the album and how it was helping them get through the pandemic. So yeah. that was cool, you know, That's to, cool. that it served people. Yeah, well, know? again, I think you're such an honest songwriter and you're talking about all the things that are happening in your life. You know, in fact, just being out in country music is a thing that a lot of people who are country music fans must feel like a deep connection with you because of that, right? Yeah, well, it's nice that like queer people feel uh, accepted and want to come to the shows, and that's really nice. That's cool. Yeah. Well, what else changed for you when that record came out? Because it did get so much attention. Did you suddenly have all these people that you sort of dreamed of being in your court suddenly in your court? Yeah, there's some people that I've just been very flattered when they heard the record and they they like it, you yeah. know? Like Lucinda, you yeah. know, meeting Lucinda and and her seeing my show and liking my songs and my voice a lot. That was yeah. cool. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, there's definitely been, you know, Steve Earle and a lot of the, like, cool alt-country folks. Yeah. Your folks were songwriters, right? You're, yeah. And so you grew up listening to all that stuff? or I did, yeah. I grew up listening to all the, you know, what we called alt-country then, right? Also, tons of Tom Petty in the house. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely, like, one of my favorites, right? So when you got to L.A., was that part on your mind? It was like, hey, I'm in L.A., this is like the Tom Petty world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. You know, you drive over Ma Mulholland, yeah. and there's the mall there, and the, oh, uh, Century City. Century City, yeah. yeah. And then there's that song, of course, called right? Century City. Yeah. yeah. And tell me about that scene, because it must have been pretty dark. For you to get into that much trouble when you were that young? I don't know if it was that scene that was dark. It was my scene that was dark. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they say you can't blame anyone for your addiction, and that is definitely the case. But it was like we were at like a hotel cafe. There's a place called the Lava Lounge. There was just like, you know, yeah. But all that scene is still there. Yeah. They do take pride in that, which I was grateful for. But yeah. the scene was very small. Now well, it's now it's like Echo Park. Now it's hipster. Right. Like super hip to dig country. And that's yeah. great. I'm like, I'm really glad it came around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can I get some oat milk with my shot of whiskey? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boulder too. Yeah, Same. listen, I'm not. Oh, no. I'm, I saw I'm, this. I had some squeezed I'm, juice today. Listen, I'm not. I'm not. Right here in Boulder. This is, this is ground zero for that stuff. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. Um, and now, um, not only just being out, but also being sober is a big change, right? Yes. Do you have tricks to get into that same creative zone that you might have in previous incarnation? Just smoked a joint or done other things to get into a certain creative place yeah, now? Yeah, I do. Uh, yoga and meditation and exercise, actually. Wow, endorphins. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Man, this is such a freaking wholesome show. It's amazing. <laughs> We've gone right from prison to the most wholesome show you could possibly have. It's incredible. Well, listen, I love the, I love the journey you're on, and Thank uh, you. thanks for including us. And uh, we should play some more music. You, you want to do some stuff together? Yeah, I do. All right. <laughs> Let's do that. Welcome <laughs> back you, to Nick. the stage, Jamie Wyatt.
Well, we got this one that is definitely about jails and prisons. Wasco, a tale of love, convicts, convicts in love, and all the above.
Jamie Wyatt. Thank you so much. Nashville, Tennessee. The record's called Neon Cross, along with E-Tones, Bradley Morse, Christian Teal, Scott Coulter, Justin Hoppenberg, and Ellen Forrester. That's Jamie Wyatt. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town. Nick Forster, I would like to say hello to some folks who are listening to E-Town on stations like KTSN, Sun Radio down in Austin, Texas, on WCLZ in South Portland, Maine, and on KBSU in Boise, Idaho. As always, if you'd like to get some more information about what we're up to here at E-Town, there's lots of stuff online at etown.org. All right, Jamie Wyatt, Band of Heathens. We learned a little stuff. We heard some music, and we're not done yet. We... Uh, have some more music right now. Would you please help me welcome back to the stage the Band of Heathens.
pieces buried six feet down I'm not here no pretender against the wall there's no surrender just remember Band of Heathens, live on stage at E-Town, that's Ed Jurdy and Gordy Quist and Trevor Nealon and Nick Jay and Clint Simmons, the Band of Heathens. Their new record's called Simple Things. All that remains is, in fact, love. We've got time for one more song. I want to get everybody out on stage. I want to thank all of our guests this week. Um, special thanks to our interview guest, Aaron Mirapol from the Urban Land Conservancy, carrying on a great vision, helping make communities affordable and sustainable. Thanks to Jamie Wyatt coming out from Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks to the E-Tones and to Helen Forster. Thanks to the Band of Heathens. Thanks to our crew here at E-Town, this engineers and volunteers and all the folks who help make these things happen. We're going to do one more song together. Jamie picked this song out and it worked out great. Um, I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town.
This is a production of E-Town. There you have it, a new E-Town show from 2023. Band of Heathens, Jamie Wyatt, Aaron Mirapol. Cool finale with a Neil Young tune. I'm Nick Forster. Thank you for listening.